The following teaching is from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat at Trinity Pines. We hope it is a blessing to you. For more information about the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, you can visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. That's houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. ever been to a class I've done, I've said this before, but it sounds like a joke, but I genuinely mean it. Thank you for coming. It's so much more fun when there's people here. And uh, talking to myself is just really not that that big of a thrill. And so um, being a dad, thank you, Jason, being a dad is a big deal. It's a big deal to me. There's no such thing as a parenting expert. So if you ever go to anybody and they go, well, I'm a parenting expert, it's a good time to leave because there's no such thing. Because every kid is different. But I want to share with you some things today that, that I just, I hope will get you thinking. I hope that they'll just create some, some times when you and God are alone that you can just see some great things happen. Um, I love being a dad. Uh, I didn't get married until I was 30 years old. And uh, didn't have kids until I was 33. And so I, I, I don't know if I appreciated it a little bit more, but, but I really appreciated it when it happened. I have four kids now, uh, two boys and two girls. And uh, one, of my, one of my girls was, uh, well, I'll tell you, my kids are um, 16, 14, 15 in two weeks, uh, 13, and 12. I have to stop things. So 12, 13, 15, 16. Uh, one of my daughters was going through the den a couple weeks ago. And she said, hey, Dad, what's all these funny-looking things? And they were uh, high-eight cassette, like, video recordings. She'd never seen them. she didn't know what they were. So she found her video recorder, and she stuck them in, she started looking at them. And it's like when my kids were really little, like toddlers. And I tell you, as a dad, you look at that, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Those days were just here. I mean, they were just here, and they're gone. And as dads, if we're not careful, it just, you know, I heard this. People said it to me over and over again, man, your kids are going to grow up so fast. And when your kids are little, you go, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't know that you can do anything else. But then when you're older, you're like, wow, that was so true. And so we have to be careful with this. I wrote down some numbers. When your child is born, you have 936 weeks until they turn 18. 936 weeks. That's a long time. You're like, that's incredible. At 936 weeks, I've got forever. When they start school, 260 of those weeks are already gone, and you're down to 676. When they get to be 10 years old, 520 of those weeks are gone, and you're left with 416. And then when they turn 15, which will happen so quickly, 780 of those weeks are already gone, and you've got 156 weeks left with your kids. I think that if there's one thing that I could say that I believe defines the difference makers in parenting, it's this, intentionality. I think intentionality is, is that thing that makes the difference between those who accomplish all that they dream of and want for their kids and those who don't. There's, there's research now that says that we may live up to 95 to 97% of our life on autopilot. That means for 95 to 97% of our life, we just let life happen to us. Problems come, we react to them. Things happen, we react to them. We make some plans, but we're not really being proactive as much as we're just letting life happen. That means that only 3 to 5% of our life are we really being intentional. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I'm comfortable with my child, my kids growing up with only 3 to 5% of my intentionality. You know, have you ever gone to anything? Maybe this, this happened to you last night uh, when Ben was speaking. Um, you've gone to something and someone spoke, or you've, you've watched something on TV, or you've been to a conference, or you've listened to a podcast, and somebody said something, and you thought to yourself, I want to do that. That, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I want to start doing that. But did you? Did you, you know, write it? Maybe you wrote it down. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that. That's a good. 
but did you actually follow through and at some point down the road, now you do your time management differently. Now you do your relationships differently. Now you do you know, your email differently. Now you do whatever differently. Do you really do it differently? Were you intentional in that? C.S. Lewis said this, something deep in the human heart breaks at the thought of a life of mediocrity. I'm, I'm not satisfied with life just happening to my family. And I hope that you're not either. And so I want to give you four things, not rocket science, not anything maybe that you haven't heard before, but I'm hoping that it will give you some, some ideas that you will go away from. Eric has said this several times. If you hear something here, if you write it down, and if you go away and live it, this weekend will be highly impacting to you. That's intentionality. And so we want to do that. So I'm going to give you a principle. I'm going to give you kind of a visual. I'm going to try to paint a picture of it for you. If you're a visual guy like me, hopefully that will help a little bit. Then I'm going to give you a practical step, something you can do this very week that will do that. And these aren't, you know, crazy hard like, you know, take your family to Africa. Okay, that's really hard to do this week, okay? But these are simpler things that, that you can actually pull off. So principle number one is this. Be a father. You're going, wow, I came to this breakout? I'd be a father, that's what you got? That sounds like my, <clears throat> one of my favorite jokes, Steve Martin joke. I don't know how many of you remember Steve Martin. I know Don's with me. Don's my movie guy, so he knows Steve Martin. My favorite Steve Martin thing is how to become a millionaire. Okay, first get a million dollars. You know, being a father kind of sounds like that. How to be a good dad? Well, first be a father. Okay, but here's the thing. Being a father is different. This summer I went to a camp called J.H. Ranch. Um, there is a, a weekend version of that called Outback Texas that happens uh, closer to home. And I, I just want to, I'm going to insert a commercial right here, life-changing. Life-changing. If you haven't heard or don't know about Outback Texas, I'm going to encourage you to check it out. Uh, Outback Texas uh, on the website, they've got a, they do husband and wife weekends. They do parent and kid weekends. Incredible thing. So my daughter and I are at J.H. Ranch this last summer, and there's an activity where, um, and I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but we, you kind of go through this activity with your child, but before you start, there's four phrases you tell your child, okay? There's four things that you, you have to tell them, okay? First is this, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you, okay? Number two, you can trust me. I'll never leave you. You can trust me. Listen only to my voice. I'll never leave you. You can trust me. Listen only to my voice. And you can ask questions. Let me say that again. I'll never leave you. You can trust me. Listen only to my voice. You can ask questions. And then you go through this activity. And at the time, you're like, this is kind of fun. This is kind of neat. And then you realize as you go through this thing, wow, that, that was really impacting. My daughter, who's almost 15, she'll be 15 in two weeks, this has become something that every, every week when we get together and we, we kind of have father-daughter time, we talk about these four things. Did you see that big giant drip right there? <laughs> Four things we talk about because it's important that she knows these. Now, here, catch this. What I just told you in those four phrases is how God is a father. That's God's method of fatherhood. God said to Joshua in Joshua 1, 1 5, Moses was the leader. Moses is gone. Joshua has taken over the mantle of leadership for the nation of Israel. And God, as a father, says, Joshua, listen, buddy, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you. That was fatherly. That was God as father. In, in Psalm 111, 7, it tells us about the trustworthiness of God. You can always trust me. God says to us as our Father, you can always trust me. I'm not going to do you wrong. You can always trust me. Now, God does that perfectly. We do that as best we can. But God does that as Father. In Proverbs 1, 7, the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen only to my voice. 
You know, there's something amazing that happens in the life of a child. We're going to talk more about influence here in a second. But your child needs to listen to your voice. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of voices out there for us. We need to listen to God the Father as our voice. We need to go to Him and go, that's the voice I listen to. Um, you can always ask questions. You can always ask questions. God is always up for us to ask Him what we want. You know, be anxious for nothing, but with prayer and petition, make your requests known unto God. It's Bible for, ask me a question. Let me know what you want to know. That's how God is. We need to be not just dads, but fathers the way God is a father to us. You see, God loves us. He fathers us. It's a focus on relationship. I see a lot of dads who are really good at telling their kids, yes, you can do that. No, you can do that. But they don't really have much of a real deep, warm relationship with their kids. Can I tell you, your kids need a warm relationship with you. They need you as father. Now, here's the visual I want to give you on this. If you've ever had your child get hurt, and probably at some point you have, they've skinned a knee or they've you know, done something, and they've come to you, especially when they're toddlers, they're little, what do they want to do? They want to climb up in your lap, and they want you to hold them. Okay? That picture of a child climbing up into the lap of their father, and their father saying, I got you. That's a father. And that's what our kids need. Is they need fathers. I'll never leave you. You can always trust me. Listen to my voice. You can ask me questions. It's what I'm here for. I've told our kids before, and, and it's good to remind myself, our kids are going to make mistakes. That's why God invented parents. So there's somebody there to help them. Okay? Here's the practical thing for this. This week, schedule one time to be with your child. Doesn't matter how old they are. Now, if they're an infant, you know, Matt over here, buddy, you got three-week-old, you know, make this work, all right? But um, schedule a time with your child. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick an environment they enjoy, okay? An environment they enjoy. They like to fish. They like to go to park. If they like ice cream, whatever it is, pick an environment they enjoy. Listen to them and let them talk. Listen to them and let them talk. And look them in the eye. One of the most incredible things you can do with your kids is just look them in the eye. You know, how, many, how often, you know, when our kids are little, there's this big height advantage going on. Okay? I was working out at the church yesterday. I'm up, you know, all the equipment now is on the track. I was watching the FBA down on the, on the thing doing PE. And one of the coaches is down there. And I saw one of the FBA coaches do this. And I thought, that's a guy who gets kids. He was standing there. And there was three boys standing there. They're probably second or third grade. They're about this tall. And he's talking to them. And then he goes like this. He gets right here. And I'm like, there's a coach who knows what he's talking about. He knows kids. Because kids respond differently here than they do here. And you get your child, and depending on the personality of your child, looking them in the eye may be the most crazy impacting thing you've ever done. And they may feel your love in a way they've never felt it before. So number one, be a father. Number two, be a leader. Number two, be a leader. Children receive their identity from their father. They, they take our names, for goodness sake. They, they research shows us that a child's identity is shaped by the relationship they have with their father. They're going to become a lot like you, whether you want them to or not. And you are probably a whole lot like your dad, whether you wanted to be or not. We are shaped by our father. Research also shows us that when it comes to at-risk behavior, involvement in drugs, involvement in alcohol, involvement in premarital sex, involvement in cutting, involvement in any of those things. Those are all tied to the relationship a child has with their father. And mothers are hugely important. I'm not saying they're not. They're very important in the nurturing process. There's a, there's a great role God has given women. But I want you to tell you that these, these kids are shaped by their relationship with you, and they need a man that's going to lead them. They need a man that's going to be out in front. This is going to be, I'm, I'm with you. You stay right behind me, okay? And so they need that. Now, knowing that, we need to realize that, that as men, we, we may have a tendency 
And that tendency is called anger. A few years ago, my kids were playing in the, in the living room. My boys had this plastic bow and arrow. It wasn't, you know, it's not like a metal tip arrow. It's like you're going to go hunting or anything. It's just a plastic bow and arrow. But it wasn't a Nerf bow and arrow either. It was kind of, you know, a plastic one. And I told them, like any dad would do, be careful. Be careful where you shoot it. Be careful what you do. 20 seconds later, one of my sons, bam, right into my daughter's eye. I mean, I watched it just go, bam, and she grabbed her eye and she went down. Now, I went ballistic. I'm just be honest. I went over and I grabbed RJ because I know you. I grabbed my son and I pulled him up. And I put him over, and I took him by the shoulders, and I set him down in the chair, and I was so mad because why? Somebody hurt my girl. Mm-hmm. See, in that moment, he's my boy, but somebody hurt my girl. And that part of me, that dad part of me, I was so mad. And I grabbed that, and in the middle of that, I realized, oh, he's my son too. I saw the look on his face. And I saw what it was doing to him. And I saw how his spirit was not being led, it was being crushed. And I said, I'm sorry. Sorry wasn't enough. i just be honest with you. Sorry wasn't enough in that moment. It was going to take more than a sorry. And I had to work weeks and months to come back and restore a relationship with him that I had crushed. I wasn't leading him. I was pushing him down in that moment. Five minutes later, my daughter's running around. She's fine. She, you know, the, the magic wet napkin solves everything. She put the wet napkin on there. She's good. She's, it's, all, it's all fine. But anger will crush, especially your son. Now, I take that back. That, that, was, that was an untrue statement. Let me, let me say that. Not especially your son. Your anger will crush your daughter just as much. Your daughter... In my life, it's, it's, it's easier for me to restrain my anger with my daughters than it is with my son. But I tell you what, I, I, I'll tell you what, our, our daughters can be crushed by our anger as well. That's not leadership. And, and, and we really want them to, to get that. Um, lead in a way that your kids gain courage, not fear. We want to lead in a way that our kids, are your kids encouraged to take risks because of your leadership? Lead in a way that they take courage rather than in fear. Okay? Lead in a way that they take courage. Now, that's not the same thing as you driving them to achieve everything they can do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you provide the leadership that says, I'm with you. And if you want to try that, we're going to go together and I'm going to do what I can to help you. You're going to have to earn your own way. I'm not going to do everything for you. Okay? I love Tim Kimmel's quote. You've heard Pastor Greg say it. Too many kids today, they're born on third and they think they hit a triple. Okay? Let that sink in for a second. They're born on third base and they think they've hit a triple. They've done nothing but stand there, but we give our kids the impression that they've done something they haven't done. That's not, that's not good for your kids. Okay? That struggle. What Ben was talking about last night, the power of that struggle. So I'm not talking about doing everything for your kids. But I'm saying giving them that courage that says, you want to go for that? Last year, my son, my younger son, came to me and said, I'm going to go out for basketball. I said, that's fantastic. And on the inside, I'm thinking, you've never played basketball. I don't think I've ever seen you with a basketball. I don't, do you know what a basketball is? What, you know, and, but I didn't say that. I'm like, fantastic. Let's do it, man. I'm with you. What do you need? He said, well, I need a basketball. <laughs> I said, okay, let's go get a basketball. So we went to the store and we bought a basketball. We've got a basketball rim in our, in our driveway that we don't use very often, obviously. And so we started to play and everything. And I'm like, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. What do you need me to do? Will you help me? How can I help you? Let me, let me know what I can do to help you. He does that. He goes out for basketball. He didn't make the team. I'm like, man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for trying. I'm proud of you for going for it. Lead them in that way. The visual, I want to give you this. Think of a dad leading his family through a forest with a machete. Cutting down the things. They're walking. He's not carrying them. They're stepping over stuff. They're struggling. They're sweating. They're working. They're walking. But he's cutting down these big obstacles. He's leading the way for them 
It's the visual I want you to have. Here's the thing I want you to do this week. Practical. Pray. Talk to your spouse. If you're married, if you're a single dad, find an aunt, an uncle, a grandchild, a grandparent of your kid, and discover one thing your child needs to help, help most with. Okay? Discover this week what your child needs the most help with. Help them find the... You need to discover the thing your child needs the most help with. What, what do they need the help with? Or they want to try out for a team, but they don't want to come to you because they don't want to let you down by letting you know they don't know what to do. Do they, do they need help in school somewhere? Do they need help with a bully? Do they need help with friends? You know, the problem with bullying, this kind of go off for a second, what makes bullying so hard so often is that children don't involve their parents early enough in the process. They're ashamed, so they don't say anything. So they go months and months and months, and situations get worse and worse and worse because they were afraid to say something to mom and dad. If dad is leading, you create that warm relationship where that child says, Dad, I need to tell you something. i got a problem. So discover this week what it is your child needs help with the most. Then teach it to them, help them get it, help them learn it, whatever it is. Okay? So be a leader. Number three, be an influencer. Be an influencer. Now, that's not the same necessarily as leading. I know there's a lot of influence in leading. I know that. But where leading, we're talking about more of a, a formal kind of upfront, I'm leading you. Influencing is more of a subtle, consistent, casual, every day, every moment, driving in the car, walking through the house, sitting at dinner. It's that everydayness of just influencing your child. This is a definition that might help you. A definition of influencer this way. A supplier of wisdom. And if you've ever done this, this is an incredible activity, is to sit down sometime and write down everything you know how to do. You'll be amazed. You go, man, I know a lot of stuff. (laughs) Write down everything you know how to do. You go, I don't know how to do much. You know how to balance a checkbook. You know how to change a tire. You know how to pay a bill. Do you know how to find your way to somewhere you've never been before? Do you know how to bake a cake? Do you know how to, you know, uh, change a, uh, a filter in your car? Or do you know how to, I mean, there's things you know. Do you know how to tie a shoe? Do you know how to buckle a button? Do you know how to pick out clothes? Do you know, I mean, think of all the things you know how to do. Now, here's the question. How do your kids know how to do that? Do they do it just by watching you? Or are you influencing them? Are you teaching them? Are you helping them? A supplier of wisdom. God puts you there for a reason. Some of you are in a class we're doing right now, Milestones, called The Truth Project. And one of the great things in The Truth Project is it reminds us this. The cosmic battle that is going on in the world is not good versus evil. We want to look at it and go, there's this battle going on in the world between good and evil. That's not the battle, folks. The battle is truth versus lies. We don't raise our kids to be good. We raise our kids to know truth and to say no to lies. And so we influence our kids for truth. It's not about behavior. Behavior will come, and discipline should be there. All those things are true. But if we're teaching our kids truth, if we're influencing them with wisdom that leans towards truth, then in many ways, behavior will take care of itself. Until your child is about 17, research tells us that nobody in this world will be a greater influence on them than you and your wife. A mom and dad are the greatest influence on a child. This is an amazing research statistic to me. 50 years ago, this wouldn't have been real hard for me to believe. 50 years ago, to think that moms and dads were a greater influence on their kids than friends, than media, okay. But in 2015, it's really hard to look at that and go, still today, moms and dads are a better influence or a stronger influence on their kids than friends or media. But it's true. It's true. You are the greatest influence on your child's life. You need to take advantage of that. You need to make sure you're influencing in the right direction. Here's the visual for that. Think of a wise dad sitting in a high back chair in the den ready to give advice. The pipe is optional. Okay? Think of a dad... Sitting in a den, high back chair, sitting there wait to, waiting to give fatherly advice. Again, Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we understand and respect the wisdom that is found only in God, 
we will be more likely to go to God and say, God, I need wisdom. We go to our children. Sometimes it's wisdom that's given. Sometimes it's wisdom that's observed. But most of the time it's just wisdom that's influenced. Be an influencer of your child. Too often, I think what happens, let's go back to what I said in the beginning. Life's just happening to us. We're not being intentional. So it's not so much that we're influencing our kids intentionally, but we're just kind of living around them. It's really, you got to be really careful as a dad, especially, to not just live around your family, but not really live with your family. You've heard those statistics crazy statistics about how little time most kids have conversation with their dad each week. It's ridiculous. We have to be intentional and lean in and influence in incredible ways. When you see, is there a look your child has when they're worried? And if they had it, would you know it? Or does mom know it? Is your wife always the one going, oh, they're worried about something? How did you know that? I don't, you know, we need to understand those things so that we can influence and say, how can I help you? What is there something I can do for you? How can I pray for you? That's a real safe way, especially if you have teenagers. Man, how can I pray for you? It's a real safe way to say, what's wrong? When they may not want to tell you what's wrong. Okay? So you need to be an influencer. Here's the practical thing. This is very practical. Learn or relearn a spiritual discipline. Prayer, Bible study, scripture memory, personal worship, journaling. What's one of those things that you've stepped away from that maybe you've know, you've known, you know how to do it, you know how to study your Bible, but you're just not studying your Bible like you used to. You know how to pray, and you've, you've been a prayer warrior, but you're not a prayer warrior now. You've journaled, but you're not journaling now. I'll be honest, I hate journaling. I would almost rather do anything than journal, but I recognize value in it. And so I try to do it as a discipline. That's why it's a discipline. If I loved it, there would be no discipline involved. But if we're going to be wise for our kids, we need to have these spiritual disciplines in our lives. We're in no position to influence our children for wisdom if we're not in God's Word. Because if we're not in God's Word, where in the world is that wisdom going to come from? Psalm 1. Just write that out to the side. Psalm 1. Don't have time to unpack that now, but man, powerful. Powerful. Okay. Finally, number four, be a protector. I think this is one that's probably a little bit easier for most of us. Instinctually, being a protector of our family, being a protector of our kids, kind of just kind of happens. You know that that step back. You know, you see somebody you don't really trust. You step toward your kid. I mean, all that stuff that's instinctual to being a dad um, is there. But I think there's someone that we need to protect our family from that we're not often conscious of, and that's ourselves. That we need to be in a position to protect our family from ourselves. Protect your wife. If you're married, protect your wife. There's some hard conversations with your children that are going to have to happen over the years. Be the one that steps out and says, I'm going to lead out in that conversation. And your wife's going to say, thank you. Be the one that steps out. Guys, let me tell you, there's going to be a moment. Some of you have already passed this moment. But if you aren't there yet, let me give you some insight here from 25 years doing student ministry, all right? There's going to come this moment. It's going to be an incredible moment in your house where your son very likely is going to become a very big jerk to your wife. And I can tell you when it's going to happen. It's going to happen at the moment when he is just a little taller than her. When your son one day wakes up and goes, you know what? She can't make me do that. I am now physically big enough that my mom cannot make me. Dad, you better step in. And you need to say, that's my wife. And you're going to respect her. 
And if you don't respect her, you got to deal with me. Because I'm still bigger than you. And I want you to respect her. We need to step in and protect our wives. We need to protect our kids. Demand more from yourself. Be careful about anger. Be careful about doing things that you don't want your kids to do. You know, all these years in student ministry, one of the most entertaining things I ever did was drive a van. Because in driving the van, all the kids in the back would talk about their parents. And I got to hear so many things. I got some amens going over here, all right, from the youth ministry. You hear all these things. I remember one time driving down the street. I don't know where I was going. This wasn't at Houston's first, so I'll just let everybody off the hook right here, okay? Wasn't at Houston's first, but I remember the kids in the back having a conversation. I remember one, I believe it was a young lady, but I don't really remember for sure. I remember one lady going, yeah, my dad sure is picky. He won't let us ever come to the room when he's watching Baywatch. Now, if you know what Baywatch is, you, you, you're with me here. Now, their dad was a, a deacon and a leader in our church, and a little, little too much information there, okay? And um, I, I heard these things, and kids, kids know. Kids get it. We have to be really careful. There was a, a commercial on a public service announcement a few years ago uh, with a kid that's doing drugs, and the dad walks in the room. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've seen it or if you remember it. The dad walks in the room, and he's found this little box of drug paraphernalia, and he says to the kid, where did you get this? Where did you learn this? Where did you get this? And finally the kid says, from you. I learned it from you. You know, we don't want, the kids, there's too many bad things out there. They don't need to be learning bad stuff from us. And I'll tell you, Eric pointed to it last night. There is nothing more insidious in your family than pornography. And men, if not for ourselves, for our children and our wives, we must see it as a cancer and do everything we can to kill it because it will destroy our families. I heard a counselor say last week, I would rather my children be addicted to drugs than pornography. A counselor who deals with people with addictions. I would rather my kids be addicted to drugs than pornography. We have got to protect our children, even if it's from ourselves. We have to get a handle on those things. We have to protect our kids from a loss of time. And I'll be honest, this is a place where I really struggle. When your child comes, he says, hey, Dad, I want to go. Hey, Dad, I'd like to go. Now, I'm not talking about, hey, Dad, I want to go to Disney World. But I'm talking about, hey, Dad, I'd like to go in the backyard and play catch. Or, hey, Dad, would you go do this? Would you build this with me? Would you help me with this? And as a dad, it's really easy to go, not right now. Okay, just give me some time, maybe later. And I try to remind myself every time that's a missed opportunity that is huge. We have to protect our kids by saying yes to those. Yeah, we're tired. Stuff's, you know, your kids are, they're great at hitting you at the worst times. You just walk in the door. Hey, I got this science project. It's only going to take about 12 hours. Could you help me with it? It's due tomorrow. It's due tomorrow. Yeah, sure. I'll help you. That's where we put our kids above ourselves. We do it in. Um, protect yourself. You know, be aware of the enemy schemes. You know that the devil wants to bring you down because you're a dad. He wants to destroy you. He has a purpose for your life, and that is for you uh, to, to waste the influence that you have. Protect yourself. Here's the visual. It's a guard. It's a soldier standing guard with a shield. Okay? So I want you to think centurion soldier. I want to kind of get that picture. We're not talking Navy SEAL here necessarily, but I want you to think centurion with the, with the sword and the shield. And I want you to see that guy that's standing there. He's got that, he's got that strong pose. He's got that fighting stance. And he's got that shield held high. And he's got his family behind him. I want you to picture that and say, that's the kind of man I want to be for my family. I want to be that protector that I even protect my family from myself. Here's the practical thing I want you to do, and this may be the hardest one of all, is if you're married, to ask your wife, what is one thing I can do to make you or our kids feel more secure? To ask your wife, what is one thing I can do to make you or our kids feel more secure? 
You're the keeper of security in your home. You're the director of security, however you want to look at it. The physical security, locking the doors, doing all that stuff, you'll do that. Everybody does that. It's the emotional security that we sometimes miss. And that, to be honest, will mean more than the physical security. Emotionally protecting and looking after our family. I've listed two books there at the bottom that, that if, if you're, well, I'll say this, if you're a reader, if you're not a reader, I would become a reader long enough to read these books, okay? Uh, one is for daughters. If you have daughters, What a Difference Daddy Makes by Kevin Lehman. And if you have sons, uh, King Me by Steve Farrar. Fantastic book. The beginning of the book, King Me, and I'm just going to steal the thunder right now, and Pastor Greg shared this in a message last spring. The beginning of the book, King Me, is the story of James Dobson and how his father was a very successful evangelist, was traveling around, was booked for years in advance, and his wife called and said, your 16-year-old son is struggling, he needs you at home, and he left his career as an evangelist and came home and took a job in a very small church so that he could be close to raise his son. When his son was raised and he went back to be an evangelist, he never could be again. Nobody knew him. Nobody wanted him. And he spent the rest of his life in a small church. You go, well, that's horrible. No, it's not because his son, James Dobson, founded Focus on the Family and impacted millions of people. Now, that's, that's what being a dad of a son means is, is you come in and you build that kingship into them. You build that, that fight to do what's right. And so those are, those are really good books, okay? Here's the thing. If you take nothing away, take this. Be intentional. When God lays something on your heart, do it. I mean, I, I think it's really that simple. When God lays something on your heart, do it. I think it will absolutely change you and your family. Okay? All right. Questions? You throw out to the group, and we'll see what we can come up with. Yes, that's that's a great question, and you know we 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 take our parenting from the way we were parented naturally. Um, the, the the great thing is that we have another parent in in Christ. God God is our Father, can be that model that a physical father never was, and I think if you grew up in a home where you didn't have uh, a, a godly dad or, or a dad that really set that that model for you then I think you look to God the Father. Now, even if you did grow up in a home that had that, you look to God the Father. Okay, don't, don't hear me say that. But, but I think that you can really look to God and see how He fathers us. As you read the Word, read it as a son and see the things that God is saying to you as a son when you read that. Like Hebrews 12 that Ben was going through last night. Read that as a son and then let that influence on you flow into your parenting, flow into your, your uh, being a father. Um, at the same time, I, 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 I think it's really good to value um, quality men being in your kids' lives. You know, in, 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 the, in the children's ministry, in the student ministry, um, you know, uh, godly men in school. If, you, if there's men, if there's coaches or teachers, I would encourage that. Surround your kids with that so that they're not asking that question in 20 years. So they're not coming back and going, well, what if I didn't have that? What if I didn't have those guys? So it's a good question. I've got a 13-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, and i got two little boys beyond that. But the the 13-year-old girl, uh, she's got a lot of friends whose parents just let them do anything. And they've got every social media account, whatever. And uh, constantly she's coming up and asking for stuff. And we try to have conversations about why this is good or not good. I'm trying to find a, a, a balance between being the protector and then also being the influencer, like you said, of teaching mm. truth. I don't want her to just go away like she often does. She said, Dad won't let me do this um, when everybody else can. But I want her to understand why. And so trying to, being 13, you've got about like a sentence and a half before she shuts you off. Yeah. So I'm just trying to find some balance there between those two roles. I think the key there is what you said in helping her understand why. Mm-hmm. 
if, if it's A, and if, if you've heard this before, we've talked about you go through stages of parenting, caretaker, cop, coach, and consultant. <clears throat> With a 13-year-old, you've moved into coach, and so it's not as easy as no. With a, with a you know, seven-year-old, you can say no. Sometimes they'll ask why, and that's okay. With a 13-year-old, there's more than that. So I think explain to her why, and then letting her see in your life the why lived out. You know, if you say to her, well, <clears throat> here's the deal. I'm afraid that you would be on it all the time, that you would be texting constantly, that it would be a distraction for you, and I don't really think you should do it, so I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're on your phone all the time texting, doing all that. She's going to go, I'm not buying that why. And then sometimes, here's the thing. Uh, Kevin Lehman says this, <clears throat> a healthy child is an unhappy child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just disappoint them, and you go, not going to happen. Here's why, and that's the way it is. And, you know, kids take security in that that they will not express to you. If you've ever seen, it was uh, another commercial. <clears throat> I wish I'd get my hands on these. Another public service announcement a few years ago where a teenager walks into the kitchen, and he says to his parents, I want to go to this party. Everybody's going. Please let me go. And they're like, we talked about it. No, we're not going to let you go. And he's like, come on. I can't believe this. Everybody's going to this party. You've got to let me go. And they said, no, we're not going to let you go. And he walks out into the hallway, and he does this. <sighs> What did he need? He needed a parent to say no because he didn't have the maturity to say to all his friends, I don't want to go to your party. I don't, I, there's going to be things at your party I don't want to be a part of. I need a parent to say no to be security for me. So sometimes your kids may give you back this idea of you're not fair. That's, and really on the inside, intuitively or actually knowing it, they're saying thank you because I know that there's security in that. So stay the course. Do not grow weary in doing good. You know, that's... Be careful with those phones, man. Be careful with those phones. My daughter's a freshman in high school. She just got her first phone. Okay? It's a flip phone. And I love it. And and that's what she's got. And she has to give it to me every night. And we look at her text messages. I mean, she's horribly abused. I know. We make fun of it. Make light of it. I know. You're an abused child. Call the hotline. You don't have a phone. So. How, do you, how do you stay connected? Like you, <coughs> you miss the first five or seven or mm. ten years. Like you marry a single mom. Yeah. How do you stay connected? Like as they get older. Because, you know, the, the younger ones, you know, they crawl on your lap. You can hug yeah. and you And I kind of jokingly say to Travis, it's like, I'll come hug and snuggle with you too. But you might think that's kind of weird. Like, yeah, that would freak me out. Yeah. But how do you stay connected? <sighs> It's just like any relationship, you know, you, you have conversations, you talk, you, you, you look them in the eye, you listen to what they're interested in listen, in talking about, um, you, you talk when they want to talk, not necessarily when you want to talk, um, you, you show uh, excitement about who they are, you, I mean, you know, if, you know, when you, when you met your wife and you wanted to date her or you wanted the relationship to grow, intuitively you knew how to build a relationship, you knew how to you know, you did things you never do now, right? <laughs> Honestly, okay. And so, um, not that it should be that way. I'm just saying that we do. Uh, those things you intuitively know to build a relationship, do that with your kids. Do that. And, and when, if you will start young and keep it, you don't ever have to go back to it. That's not always a choice. And if you marry into a situation where you marry somebody and they've got kids, now you've got to work on that. You, you just, it's a relationship. You just, you just do the best you can. And, and know there's, there's much grace. There's much grace. And I tell you, if you come to somebody and you go, man, I'm with you. And you look them in the eye and you've never met them before in your life. You've just instantly drawn that person to you because we're drawn to that. And when you're sincere, it just draws you. And so be sincere and genuine with your kids. Have real conversations. Real conversations. So it's a good question. It's hard work. And, and there's no guarantees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just hard. It seems harder as they get older. It seems harder as they get older. But here's the thing. Don't buy the lie. Teenagers are great at giving you what's not really going on inside of them. 
So don't, if you go up, put your arm around your son and he's a teenager, because dad, come on. Don't believe that he didn't somewhere inside actually love that. Don't buy that lie. So. I wouldn't assume that you have. You know, there's a whole lot more to that than physical location. You know, and I can tell in your voice right now that you have not left your daughter. Even if you are physically separated from her. And, and here's the thing. You've got a lifetime to continue to tell her, I'm with you. And if she doesn't hear it at four and a half, she might hear it at five. She might hear it at six. She might hear it at six and a half. But I think you just keep telling her. I'm with you. Even if I'm not with you, I'm with you. I mean, you can make a joke out of it. I'm not with you, but I'm with you. You know, and she'll pick up on that. She'll know if you're emotionally with her. But, and I would say, and I don't, I don't know you and I don't know your daughter, but I would guess you're doing a whole lot better job than you think you are. This, Any other words? Yeah. I, I would tell you that, you know, seeing Travis's relationship with his dad, uh, if, if that does happen, which I hope it doesn't, um, get every moment you can with her. You know, don't ever change, don't ever give up that Thursday night dinner or that weekend you have with her mm. because you got something else on the calendar because it breaks your heart. Yeah. Make your schedule around them because it'll make a huge difference. Good word. Any other wisdom on that? Can we, can we pray over him? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great. Tell me your name. Uh, Stephen. All right. Roger, would you lift up a prayer for Stephen right now? Father God, I come before you just praising you and thanking you for who you are. Yes, Jesus. And Father, I thank you so much just for the reminder that Dave, uh, that Doug has given us as, as to who you are. And that you do love us and you do trust us and you will never leave us. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Father, just for this way that you allowed the Holy Spirit to make this porch be a safe place where guys have been able to say yes. things. The guys just don't say things. Mm. It just doesn't happen. Thank you for moving among us, Father. Thank you for the insight that sometimes we need wisdom, sometimes we need prayer. Mm. And Father, I just come before you right now to pray for my brother. Lord, I know that when he said what he said, there were all kinds of you know, cliches that may have gone through guys' heads or things mm. they may have thought. But, Father, I thank you that you love him so much and you want him to know that right now. Mm. And you want him to really and truly and fully understand completely that you will never leave him and yes. you will never forsake him, Father. That's right. And that below you are with him always. And I just mm. thank you, Father. You said even unto the ends of the earth and even unto the ends of where he thinks his world is right now. Yes. And, Father, I want you to, just give me the freedom to say that I want him to know that he's not divorced yet. That's right. And I just, I just really and truly have to come before him as a brother that has seen the impact that has. It certainly, mm. there's times there's just no, it can't happen. You got to protect your kids. You got to protect your family. You got to do things. But Lord, I just pray if there's any way in the world that you can reconcile us home. Yes. Father, any yes, kind of in the Jesus we ask for God. Whatever, and Father, I just, I really beg that you to do that. Yes, right Lord. I really, really protecting do. And I God. thank you, Father, that, you put together my name that you'll allow Jesus. that, you'll receive that, and he accepts that. And there's no judgment, there's no condemnation. That's right. It's just, as a brother, i got to say square one, that's where I am with yes, it. People Jesus. tell me, you'll do anything you can. I said, stay together, well, I can't do that, okay? Hmm. Father, I just, I just, I lift that up to you. But secondly, Father, I praise you and thank you for the insight he's gotten from other brothers already. Hmm. That. He hasn't left her. That's right. I can remember when my younger daughter sat on my lap, we're watching the fox and the hound, and they leave the fox in the woods. Mm. And she turns around at three or four and says, you'd never do that, would you? Mm. I mean, just what that means. And, Lord, he 
doesn't, like Doug said, have to physically be there. Give him the comfort, but do on commitment. Yes. That's so great that a brother suggested that. Mm. that. When you make a commitment, that's where trust comes. Yeah, that's right. Are you there or are you not there? Okay? Yes. Are you there or are you not there? You didn't. You can't make the marriage work. Yes. You can do everything you can, but you can make yourself be there Thursday. You can make yourself be there Saturday. You can yes, make yourself do the other things, and if anything comes in between, Lord, I just pray, Father, that it would be just an opportunity for him to realize, I'm going to trust God. Mm. I'm going to trust my dad, that my dad wouldn't That's let right. this happen. And I just pray for him right now. Father, I, I, I beg that you encourage him because of his bravery. And I pray, yes, Father, that there are other men right now realizing that this is what guys do. Yeah. This is, we, we can be honest with each other, and then we can pray for each other. Mm. And, Father, then we can stand back and watch you move. Mm. And you can split the Red Sea, you can let us walk through the Jordan, or you can just make our kid come sit down and let us talk to him. Father. Yeah, that's right. Because you are all about that. Yes. And I just praise you and thank you that that's who you are. Father, I thank you for this, and I just pray for your blessings. And, Father, I certainly don't have all your words. I certainly don't have, but you do. And I just pray that my brother, through your word, yes. through time with you, what Doug was talking about, spiritual disciplines, Lord, just all of those things, Father, that you would just magnify yourself in such a unique way to him that he would be able to see the hope. Yes. And I thank you that's who you are, that you're hope. Amen. Like the, uh, Ben talked to us last night about struggles and just all those Ooh. other things. Why is this going on? What what good could possibly happen? Well, Romans yeah, eight twenty nine says right. to conform me more to the image of Jesus. That's right. And Father, it goes on and ends that chapter with that. And I am persuaded that nothing can separate right. me. Okay, right. Father, I just praise you. It's not it's not just simple little truths, but it's it's the truth. Yes, yes, and I just pray that you would encourage him with that, Lord. And I love you and thank you for who you are. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray, who loves us even when we don't deserve it, who forgives us even when, if anybody else knew, we think they, they couldn't stand us. But I thank you, Lord, that there's always another step, and there's another chance. Thank you for John 3, I mean, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, you are faithful. Yes. You are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right. Lord. Thank you. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Roger. Thank you, brother. Bless you, Stephen. Thanks for saying that, brother. Guys, thank you for your compassion. Lift Stephen up. Those of you that still need to say something to somebody while you're here, I hope you'll say it. Um, do the best you can and know there's grace. None of us are perfect. Stop trying to be. Okay? You guys will be great fathers. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat hosted by Houston's First Baptist Church. We hope this message has been encouraging to you and pray you have a great day.